We proceed further in our study of the question, what do we know about the righteousness of God from the Bible? In our study of the righteousness of God as a moral attribute, we have seen that the word is a descriptive term and sets forth the conduct of God in his great love, fulfilling his responsibilities to his moral creatures. Perfect righteousness in God is set forth most frequently in the Bible, not only as a fact, but as an acceptable fact, whenever man has faced the realities of his existence. Righteousness is God's conduct according to truth. Truth is the expression of those facts lying fully developed in the divine mind pertaining to man and his relations. The same truth is to guide man and is the basis of all of God's evaluations. God cannot but react to man's attitude toward himself and act accordingly. Indifference is impossible. We proceed then to consider further passages of Scripture, setting forth God's reactions to men's conduct. And we come to Isaiah chapter 2, verses 10 to 12, and also verse 17, where we read, Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day, as the truth is uh, duplicated in verse 17. So the prophet declared God's purpose to humble the proud hearts of men who refuse submission to his great majesty. Such pride is completely illogical and must certainly be dealt with if God is to remain the righteous moral governor in a state of love. In Daniel chapter 4 and verse 37, we read about the proud Babylonian ruler Nebuchadnezzar, who had to learn concerning the righteous actions of God in dethroning him. He recognized his guilt, seemingly, and extolled the great God of the heaven. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. In Habakkuk, 1.13, we read, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. And so the prophet, in his adorations of the God he served, perceived this manifestation of the righteous being of God in all his actions toward men. As we come to the New Testament, we read Luke chapter 1 and verse 52 where the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, in her spirit-guided adoration of the love and mercy of God, spoke of the righteous actions of God in humbling the haughty and exalted the lowly. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Our Lord Jesus, in the 14th chapter of Luke and verse 11, spoke of the unalterable law of God's nature reacting thus toward man, which he must follow or change his character. God must abase the proud and favor the lowly 
who recognize his dignity and majesty, and indeed this he shall do, as we read. For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Thus are the certainties set forth by the Lord himself. As we come to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, we read concerning God's reaction to his faithful servants who serve him with all their hearts. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. So the writer to the Hebrews affirmed that if God did not recognize the sincere Christian service of those who love him, he would become unrighteous. But indeed God persists on in his holiness and in his righteousness. We come to read James chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. But he that giveth more grace, wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So James affirmed God's unalterable law also, of resisting the proud, and of giving grace to the humble. God must resist those who live in complete falsehood, if he is to remain the righteous governor. Peter likewise wrote of this unalterable law in his first epistle, chapter 5 and verses 5 to 7. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This great humiliation that God calls upon sinners to manifest is nothing else than repentance, and repentance from a sincerity of heart is the only gateway to the mercy of God. But we close this segment of truth with the reading of Isaiah, chapter 57, verse 15 where he, the prophet, is declaring the great manifestations of God's love and desire to have fellowship with men only in the pathway of truth. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So those who humble themselves before God may expect the kind mercy and love of God and may expect the happiness and joy of the blessings of God within the soul. But we proceed in the third place of our study of the righteousness of God, that this righteousness is manifested in God's establishing a court of final judgment and in purposing to bring men there to evaluate in perfect fairness and the conduct and character of each individual. Man has been endowed with a moral nature involving intelligent perception of truth and a free will to comply with truth or not to comply, and is thus accountable for his actions. Since God is perfectly equitable toward all, it would be unfair on the part of God, as the moral governor of all men of all ages, 
if the true moral character of all were not made known. We cannot know the true motives of men's hearts in this world. The Apostle Paul wrote about the hidden things of dishonesty in 2 Corinthians 4.2, and that it was a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret in Ephesians 5.12. The meek Moses wrote about our secret sins which existed in the light of God's countenance in Psalm 90 verse 8, which Psalm is attributed to him. God could never be righteous toward all and leave things thus. There is no respect of persons with God, we read in Romans 2.11 and a number of times elsewhere. And thus sin must be exposed or brought to light before all. This is just what Jesus said would happen in the 10th chapter of Matthew, verse 26. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. So our Lord Jesus Christ guarantees the exposure of every human heart. Paul also by inspiration revealed this tremendous truth in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 where we read, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. So it is the duty of God to make manifest the inner motives of men's hearts and to truly evaluate the conduct of every individual. Therefore, since God is love and is righteous in all his actions, we may expect a day of reckoning. And this is just what the Bible declares shall take place. How sober the thought to ponder. Back in Genesis 18 and verse 25, Abraham declared, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The proposition of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was up for consideration because of their wickedness. And Abraham reasoned with God, you will recall. He recognized the supreme judgment of God and had confidence that God would not judge any righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah along with the many wicked who abode there. But we come to the Psalms for a number of passages on this great subject of the coming judgment of God and how God has promised to evaluate the character of all. There in the seventh Psalm and verse 9 we read, O oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and the reins. God searches the inner being of man and shall declare the righteous state or the sinful state of that individual. And in the ninth Psalm, verses 7 and 8, we read, But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. So God has prepared his throne for righteousness and shall extend and manifest his great righteousness toward all. In the 19th Psalm, verses 7 and 8, we read, 
The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So God shall judge men for not complying to his revealed truth, the perfect word of God, which has been issued forth to guide men's pathways in happiness and in righteousness. In the 33rd Psalm, verses 3 and 5, we read, Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. So God loves judgment in the sense that he loves to bring forth evil and expose injustice so that righteousness might be established and might prevail in the world. But we must close until our next visit when we shall read further scriptures. Our Heavenly Father, we bow to thank thee for thy great manifestation of righteousness unto thy moral creatures. We pray that many might see the light of their sinful ways, might repent of all sin, come to the cross of Jesus, who died for the sins of the whole world, may exercise faith, find forgiveness, be restored and live happily in the presence of thy great righteousness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.